Good morning once again, ladies, gentlemen, fanatics of all ages. My name is Paul Boyer. This is Philly's Therapy. Nice to have you back again. Not the best week and weekend to recap. A little bit of a scuffle after a nice series win against the Padres, as has been characteristic of this team to squander momentum at times. That's okay. It was a worse week and weekend for just about everybody else they're contending with in the wild card, so that's good. Overall... The Phillies are still in the mix. They are, as of recording today on Monday morning, a half game out of the playoffs with a whole lot of competition. The NL field still isn't really thinning all that much. In fact, it's even tightening up a little bit uh, with the way the Cubs have been playing lately. They've brought themselves back into the mix a little bit. Mets and Cardinals still on the outside. Padres, who knows what's going to happen there. And then you get into the mix of things, and there are seven teams between 53 and 57 wins in the National League right now. Still a lot to sort out. The trade deadline is coming up fast. We are just over one week away, and there's still just a lot of uncertainty out there. A lot of ways this uh, this next week could go. Buyers, sellers, who could move, who gets whom. And to try and wade through all of that, at least as best we can, we welcome in once more Mr. Matt Gelb at The Athletic. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Paul. Uh... That's good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have any other thoughts. I mean, I think that my biggest takeaway from the weekend is that, you know, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks and the Giants are 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 in rough shape. And like I, yeah. I, I like the Phillies need to play better. There's no question. I mean, they, they you know, a little little downturn here with uh, with the offense, which is something we've seen before this season. But uh, I, I, I just I look if you again, if you're looking at those four teams, the Phillies, Giants and Diamondbacks and Marlins. I know we had to start talking about the Reds too because they keep just keep winning, yeah. um, but I, I just see bigger flaws in those other rosters. I mean, Giants just got swept by the Nationals. Uh, Marlins are in a in a bad way. They finally won um, for the first time since beating the Phillies before the All Star break. Um, Dimebacks, it's just like there's there's just no pitching, and like we said that earlier this year, right? Where it was like, oh, this team is really really good, but they man, they could use another pitcher. So right. this next week, I'm really I'm really interested to see. You know how aggressive the the Giants and the Diamondbacks are specifically. The Marlins, I, I I don't I don't think they'll be aggressive. I don't know. The Reds, very curious to see how aggressive they are. And yeah, the Padres and the Mets and the Cubs. What do they do? Um, Cubs, I think are selling. Mets, I think are selling. Padres, not sure about. It's hard to really ever count the Padres as sellers, just because of you know. And I'm not sure how much longer of a leash he has. But AJ Preller has been you know. Constantly the most entertaining GM, I think, in baseball for the last few years. That's just one be- word for it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's always good for something and usually more than one something. So I don't know. I have a hard time counting San Diego out, even though they're four games under. But you were mentioning the troubles that the rest of the the this contention field is having. And it really just doesn't seem like looking at these teams as they are today. And maybe there's a trade pickup that comes in the next week for one or two of them that changes this. It doesn't really feel like we're going to see many of these teams fall away over the last couple of months because they're all kind of the same in their own ways. They have some talent. They have gotten to this point by banking some wins that maybe they shouldn't have had or wouldn't have had in earlier years. And it's just kind of a a, a weaker uh, league on the whole 
the National League right now. That's just kind of every, got everybody bunched in the middle except for Atlanta. And it feels like this is just what we're going to look at into September, which is exciting if <laughs> you could deal with a little bit of stress from the Phillies having this much competition to wade through because it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of distance between them no matter who they pick up. I think the Marlins are about to fall off a cliff. As a, you know, that that's one team I think is just going right. to fall. Scratch one off the list. I, I, yeah. I mean, if you look at their schedule, it's absolutely insane in August. Um, I, I think they're about to fall off a cliff. The other teams, yeah. I mean, I, I can see everyone kind of sticking around. It's funny. I mean, Paul, like if you if you want to use fan graphs, I mean, they still have the Phillies as projected to to be the mo- third most wins in the league this year. You know, still have the best chances for a wild card, sixty four percent coming today, and the Giants are the next closest at fifty one percent. So I, I'm wondering, like, just globally, like who, who do you think yeah. uh, who do you think is the best player that gets traded uh, at the deadline? Oh, man, because I've started to look at all this and it's like there are some good players that could be traded. But I, I you know, the more and more I look, it just seems like um, I don't think there's going to be too many like blockbuster type deals. It doesn't seem like those types of players are necessarily available. Yeah, I know people keep floating around the idea that the Mets might look to move Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, but for a lot of reasons that that's complicated. You know, you can talk about the money for sure. I think the no trade clause is is a more more prevalent thing there. And also, as your your colleague Ken Rosenthal has mentioned in a, in a couple of pieces I've read the last couple of weeks, part of the reason the Mets are in this predicament is because those two guys haven't pitched like you expect them to. So what are they going to fetch you in return anyway? And they have a big number for next year, too. They do. So it's hard. It's hard to say. I think you could you could maybe squint and say somebody swoops in and pries Paul Goldschmidt away from the Cardinals. I, I, I could see that as the biggest name. But after that, it just, you know, we've talked about the the seller's market over the last episode or two, just kind of briefly looking at it, the teams that we knew were going to be sellers by this time. And the caliber of player on these teams is definitely not blockbuster worthy. You know, maybe somebody on the White Sox, if you believe that the true talent level of who you're picking up is what constitutes the blockbuster. Lucas Giolito, you know, maybe someone along those lines. Uh, I'm really surprised at how poorly Lance Lynn had has pitched this year with, you know, the home runs that that's surprising. He would have been more appetizing. I, I just I mean, don't Gio see Lito might be the biggest name traded, like yeah. the, the best player trade. And he's a yeah. he's an OK player. Right. He's had a few rough starts. He, he can be really, really good. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think, you know, Luke, I, I think that's the right answer. I mean, I think it's like Lucas Gilito or Marcus Stroman is like going to be the best player traded here at the deadline. Yeah, and and I'd be wary of Stroman personally, just because, especially on this Phillies team in particular, if we're talking about fit with a, a, a higher contact pitcher, like I don't, I don't really, I, yeah, I don't I really want just to the Phillies. I was just talking about overall, right, you know, well, biggest name well, yeah, overall, yeah. No, no, I agree with you. Turning the lens back toward the Phillies for a second here, I just, I, I don't. Yeah. No, not. A but fit. no, you don't want you don't want a ground ball pitcher in front of this defense right now. No, it it, it could be. In that way, it could be a weaker deadline, but I don't think it's going to be lacking for activity. Because no, there'll be activity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially in the National League, all these teams they have similar needs, but they still need to fill those needs. I, I think there's probably going to be supply. It's just not going to be 
it's not going to be a lot of fireworks. I think you're right about that. I think uh, before we get into like our deeper conversation, I think one yeah. thing that sticks out to me, Paul, is that, um, you know, certainly the Phillies want a right-handed bat. They've made that very clear. But, you know, what if that right-handed bat isn't there? And what if you, you know, how, uh, how terrible would it be to pivot and say, try to be a player for the best lefty bat? I think that's currently available. And that's Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I was I was wondering if you were going to go there, and I think does that the makes handedness sense. matter no. more than the fit? Like no, than, than, not, than not the actual upgrade, right? No, yeah. no, 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 not to me. I I'm I'm somebody who thinks like if you're a lefty and you can hang in there against left-handed pitching, then great. Handedness only matters to me if you have like a severe platoon split, and even if you just look at Pellinger's stats from this year, I know you know sample size and all that with splits, but he's got a reverse split. He's actually crushing lefties which is fantastic. It's a nice bounce back year from him and bonus points. The guy's a good defender, all three outfield spots and first base and first base. Right. So yes, somebody like that makes sense too. It doesn't have to be somebody who's right-handed. I don't think we have to rule ourselves out from somebody like a Cody Bellinger. If he's available and you assume he might be, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'd be fine with that for sure. Maybe the Cubs don't sell. I don't know. I mean, they, they can, I I guess they could delude themselves into, uh, into thinking they can win that central, um, I, you know, they. I mean, they could think that they're three and, games and under five hundred. I mean, I've always looked at it as are. this: is like you don't look at the games back, you look at like your record as team, right? And if you're if you're yeah. below or at five hundred at the trade deadline, like that always to me was a sign that you know it, it, it's it's time to just you know move on from this year. That that that's how I've always looked at it. Yeah, that's fair. Personally, I, I would like to see more teams try and and win and compete. So if you're like on the fringes, I would love for the coin flip to, you know, maybe get a little weighted and push teams back toward trying to contend a little bit. So if the Cubs want to adopt that mindset and think, oh, OK, yeah, we're 48 and 51, but we know we have some talent on this team. Let's pick up, you know, one or two more lower trade cost players and and plug it in and see what happens, because then what's the harm, right? You tell your fans you're going for it. And at the end of the day, if you're not giving up a lot or what you assume to be a lot, then you feel better about it. Yeah, I guess the harm is that you have two two expiring deals and Bellinger and Stroman that you feel like you could move right now and get, you know, something of of note, right? A decent prospect for each guy, right? Yes. And in this case, on expiring deals way more understandable as far as I'm concerned. It's when things like, you know, Mookie bets a couple years ago when there's more than just the year of control and you're just like, no, nah, we got to retool instead of trying to win, you know, with these really good players, not saying Cody Bellinger is Mookie bets, just comparing, you know, years of control and all that. I would like to see more teams try and maximize what they've got rather than just default to selling. If it feels like they're a little bit out of it, you know what I mean? Um, it, it's, you know, no verdicts rendered or anything like that. We don't know what these teams are going to do yet, and they haven't really made any moves. You know, I think the biggest moves so far has been what Trevor got to the Mets or something like that. Yeah. So there's still a lot left to be decided for sure. I, from the Philly side, again, uh, coming back to the team we all know and love, their best potential, you know, trade chip prospect, not that he was going to be traded, but all of that, just bringing this back in, in-house here. Andrew Painter was announced earlier in the week to kind of bring things down a bit. That he needs Tommy John surgery. Now, I don't know if it's officially been scheduled by this point or or where we are exactly in the process of second opinions. 
but he's going to miss the rest of this year. He's going to miss all of 2024. Not that that really changes too much timing wise by this point. I mean, look, once we got into May and June and he still hadn't thrown a pitch, it was kind of already assumed that it was a really low chance that he was going to do anything for the team this year. And even if he had gotten some kind of surgery by that point, he was still going to miss most of the following year anyway. So like, what does it do? It rules out a September call up for the major league team in 24, you know, waiting this extra time. I don't really think it costs the team all that much to try and wait it out because it's surgery. I mean, you get cut open. It's not like that should be the default here, right? No, I mean, and it was a, it was a, I've never seen a partial tear, and in this case, a sm- even a small tear, immediately result in surgery. And that is why yeah. you waited out. And yeah, they probably cost themselves a few months at the end of next year, right? They probably cost themselves, you know, getting Painter into games, the very least August, September, maybe even July next year. I, I don't know that um, they made a mistake. I really don't. Like, I, well, they I thought see it was healing, right? Well, I mean, yeah, the Phillies had every indication that he was feeling better, that he was doing okay, and they really did slow play it. Um, You know, they waited quite a bit, and uh, but you know, timing or not, whatever. I mean, this this is a this is a pretty big blow. I mean, this is this is a guy now who um, will not be a factor until twenty twenty five, and you're not really sure, you know, what kind of big league factor he'll be in twenty twenty five after having missed. You know, two full years of pitching. That's right. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll take away the shine a little bit from him. He was one of the best prospects in baseball and for good reason. And, you know, it does affect how you view the rotation in the, both the immediate and the long term. Uh, you know, they have big decisions to make this offseason with regards to Aaron Nola. Uh, yep. Zach Wheeler is a free agent after the 2024 season. Uh, you know, and Painter now, you really, you, just, you don't know what to, to bank on. And that's not to say like, look, if painter had been healthy and in the rotation this year, he wasn't going to be treated as a, you know, typical big league pitcher. Like he wasn't going to be making 30 starts. Uh, he was going to get extra rest. He was probably going to get shut down, you know, in the middle. And they were going to do the same thing next year too. I and mean, they were, they had this kind of this plan to gradually build him up, almost treat him like a minor league workload, but while pitching in the majors, cause they thought he was that good. Uh, and so Painter being healthy wasn't going to influence like, oh, do we re-sign Aaron Nola? Uh, you know, if Andrew Painter's really good, we can just let Nola walk. I don't think that that was going to factor in the calculus. I really don't. I know okay. that sounds odd to say, but I, I, I think that the two things are separate. I do. Because um, you just don't know. And this here's an instance right here where we just, you just don't know. You never know from a young pitcher. You don't, you just can't bank on a young pitcher, you know, being a 30 start guy in the majors, no matter how young or whatever, like it's just, you can't. And so, uh, it, it will influence their, you know, their forthcoming rotation plans. Now they know that he's not a factor at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go into next year feeling like you have Wheeler and Walker and Suarez, you know, firmly inked into your rotation, uh, you know, questions about McGarry and Abel and, what do you do with Nola? And I know I kind of floated this idea and I, I do think it's a good idea if, if it comes to this, like where, you know, if they cannot resign Nola or if they decide they're not going to resign Nola, like Corbin Burns looks pretty good as a trade candidate for the off season. Yes. Um, he's not going to get traded. And, uh, you know, here the Brewers are in first place. Like they, they, uh, they tried this last year where they were within playoff 
uh, contention and traded away their closer and there was a huge backlash and then they didn't make the playoffs and it's not because they traded Hader away, but it probably affected it. Um, yeah, but Burns will be a free agent after the 2024 season. Um, it does not sound like the Brewers think that they can re-sign him. The largest contract they've ever given to a pitcher, I think is like 50 million or something. Uh, he's, he's probably a guy who gets traded this off season and you know, Maybe that's how you figure out your rotation. So, I mean, there's different ways that they can try to attack it this offseason, but not having Painter in the mix for both 2023 and 2024 is a blow. That said, he'll be yeah. 22 years old in 2025. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking about a guy that, you know, not only are they going to do the Tommy John surgery, they're also going to do like this other surgery that will move the ligament um, to a different part of his elbow. I'm not saying they're like going to, you know. Really? Yeah, it's like the. You know, the, when, when they're going to do this, this Tommy John surgery, they can also do this uh, nerve ulnar nerve transposition surgery. It just moves it to a more favorable part of the elbow, at least the more favorable for what doctors consider to be favorable. Oh, wild. And so you're putting him into like a better position, you hope. Um, you know, the body is an amazing thing. Uh, your ulnar nerve, I guess, is, uh, is can be in different spots on different people's elbows. Um, so... You know, he'll be 22 in 2025. You hope that he comes back healthy. And these surgeries aren't a slam dunk. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you just, you know, the return rate is very good. Um, But you you never know. Like, I've seen so many guys go through these surgeries and not come back the way they thought they would come back. Or it takes longer than they thought. And, you know, the physical and mental grind of of the rehab from Tommy John is, is a thing. Yeah. And some guys are affected by it quite significantly. Um. So, you know, you hope that he's got a good support system. The Phillies have a really good setup. You know, Painter's become close with Aaron Barrett, who is their rehab pitching coordinator. And he's a, of course, former big league reliever who had yeah, a ton of injuries in his career. Uh, Phillies hired him last year. He actually was pitching for them and then retired during the season last year. And the whole plan was for him to, to take this job. And um, Painter's become really close with them. Barrett uh, has helped out a lot of pitchers this year. And, and uh, that's going to be kind of his guy to get him through this rehab, you know, mentally, not just physically, but mentally, I think is a big part of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a loss. I mean, I, they were counting on him this year and they were certainly counting on him for next year. And, uh, it's unfortunate that this, this is how it went down. Yeah, no, it absolutely stinks for the kid, uh, more than just the team. I, I know he was so close to making the major leagues as a teenager. And now we have to, he has to wait two more years when all said and done at least. So, Hoping for a speedy recovery for the kid. And yeah, like you mentioned, that's that's almost as tough a mental thing, maybe even tougher a mental thing as it is a physical thing at this point, just to have to to wait, really, as you go through all of the rehab. So here's hoping we uh, get good updates as things go along, and, and hopefully we see him uh, early on in 2025. Now, from one Tommy John uh, participant to another, we've <laughs> we've quickly had our, our, our fears assuaged, or I guess at least mine, in, in so far as you could call them fears really just more acknowledging that things could go wrong. They haven't gone wrong so far. Bryce Harper at first base um, took no time whatsoever in proving to all of us that he's got this thing covered, (laughs) both figuratively and literally in terms of ground over on into camera wells included. Um, Matt, was I silly for even acknowledging that he might not be able to make it work at first base? (laughs) Do you think he can do it? Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, he was tested a few different ways. Like he wasn't there was there weren't a lot of um, those like there weren't a ton of the judgment plays. There's one of those bunts uh, on Sunday where he, um, 
you could tell he thought about going for it then, but he, but he made a decision quick enough that he could scamper back to first mm-hmm. and get the flip from Stott. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think he can do it. Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> the question is now, like, <clears throat> how often can he do it? Yeah. You know, right away. I mean, like, I think they they feel like they can progress to him doing it every day, but how, how, um, how long until we get to that point? Um, like what's it, the ramp for soon. this every other day? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think if I had to guess, he probably doesn't play there Monday night, then maybe plays there Tuesday. Maybe he does back to back Tuesday, Wednesday, because they're off okay. on Thursday. Pretty quick. Uh, the team's That's off cool. on Thursday. Yeah. I mean, I think you maybe, you know, you, he goes one on, one off, one on, one yes. off, one on, one off, then two on, then a day off with the off day. Um, just to see. And uh, I think it just, you know, just again, it creates this, this now the spot where you can upgrade and um, don't want to judge Jake Cave on one weekend, but, you know, we saw a lot of the same stuff that we saw in April when he was in the majors. And that's yeah, a shame because, you know, he really hit well at AAA. He picked up a golden sombrero on Sunday, right? Over four, four Ks, I think. Um, Major leagues are hard, man. <laughs> it is the big leagues. Uh I go back and forth about like what is the more pressing thing for them to upgrade because I really do think like getting another starting pitcher is 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 kind of important for this team. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because I'm looking at the teams that are starting to falter right now, and it's it's because they they don't have any pitching or enough pitching, and I'm like, well, if the Phillies can just make a strength even stronger, like that just makes you feel so much better about you know the next two months because what if you do suffer an injury? Like what if you you know, even if you lose a guy for three weeks, you know, you mm-hmm. want to feel like you're protected there. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I like, I think they're going to, I think some of these hitters are going to be better. Um, we've said that for a while though now, and then some guys have not, I've just not gotten it turned around. And I was seeing Castellanos fall off a cliff here and, um, you know, it's really affected them because he was the one guy who was going good for, you know, the, probably the most time this season. Yeah. Um, he's really fallen off. Stott's been great. Um, but man, Turner still looks lost. Um, so you're just trying to figure out where is it going to come from? Marsh had a good weekend. It's funny cause they were drawing, you know, they took a lot of walks this weekend, Paul, they were doing things that yeah. they haven't done. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, just not getting hits with runners in scoring position. So, and then that's been, again, something that, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot this season. So, I don't know. I go back and forth. It's like, do they need a, a bat more than they need a pitcher? Probably, but I think it's probably it's. I think it's closer than people think, right? Like, I think the 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 um, the upgrade to the rotation um, is 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 nearly as important as as is the upgrade to the lineup. Am I off here? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's a theme between us that we say, you know, you don't need that fifth starter in the playoffs, but you need one to get to the playoffs. And we look at the depth. This has been, this has been a thing for this team since spring training, you know, maybe even more so now with painter hurt and Abel and McGarry being, you know, Abel's not a factor for this year. McGarry is, you know, maybe. McGarry's quite... pitched well. McGarry's yeah. pitched really well. I think McGarry's next star is going to be a triple I. There you go. All right. So that puts him one step closer. Yeah. There's just not a lot of immediate reinforcement if, like you mentioned, somebody goes down for a long amount of time. Like, that's just, uh, I, I don't love that. And I'm not fully sold on Chris Sanchez yet. I think he's had a nice run, and I am not taking that away from him. Do, do not get it twisted. I just haven't really seen enough to think that this guy is, like, <sighs> overpowering is too strong of a word, but he's not quite over to that point far enough for me to think that 
you know, his stuff is going to continue to play the way it has for these last couple of starts. I haven't seen a significant enough change in him. He looks like mostly the same guy that I've seen over the last couple of years, um, which yeah, is and, fine, and, which is a major yeah, caliber pitcher. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, and maybe this is getting too cute with it, but like he's been good enough uh, to but get looks in the big leagues, but you yeah. can upgrade. But also like, if you are concerned about the workloads for your pitchers and we saw the Phillies do this last, last year in the second half, specifically August and September, they would put a sixth starter in there. Like maybe every, every other turn or every third turn just to give everyone an extra day. And like Sanchez would be great for that. If you go get another fifth starter. Yeah. And so I could see that he still would have reps. You'd still have an, an opportunity, I think to get him innings, um, keep him in the bullpen if you wanted um, although people are yelling at me because I don't think that Noah Song uh, is as good as Dylan Covey right now, um, and I'm taking a lot of heat for that. I'm sorry. No, it's it, it's <laughs> something to consider. I've missed that because I, I've I've given yeah. up on Twitter. Well, for example, like you know, yesterday Noah, you know, there was like you know, it was a weird. He planted weird, like he t- his ankle kind of twisted his plant foot um, on a pitch, and it's like, oh man, he looks like he might have tweaked something. He might have to come out. And it's like, you need, you need protection there. Like the other day, Sanchez, he almost got knocked out early in that game against the Brewers. And it's like, you need someone who can come in and give you three innings and like, and throw enough strikes and get you through things so that you don't kill the rest of your bullpen. And I don't know if Song can do that. And I know that they haven't, the Phillies haven't needed that long man often this year. Like they, they've just, they've been able to minimize it. Right. Yeah. And, And kudos to the rotation and the rest of the bullpen for throwing strikes and not needing, you know, uh, a true long man, like really often, uh, at least in the last few months. But like, you get that game like in a stretch where you don't have an off day, and all of a sudden you need to cover like seven innings out of your bullpen. And if you can't get three innings from one guy, like you, you have there are ramifications. There's there is there are, um, you know, there's a ripple effect to that. And I still think they're going to give Song a shot here, but uh, we'll see. You do you think he's going to get it? the deadline? I think is Thursday. They have to activate him Friday. Friday, they have to activate him. Okay, he's going to pitch one more time. I think it was better. The numbers looked a little, the, the not just like the line score, but the, the velocity was a little better. I, I've had, you know, I've talked to, to evaluators who, have, you know, both analysts and scouts who have watched the video, who have seen him, who have looked mm-hmm. at the data, and people are kind of mixed. It's like, can okay. you carry this guy for two months? Maybe. Like, is it ideal? Definitely not. Um, do we think he's going to pick up a few, you know, ticks and command and velocity? Probably. Um, is the juice worth the squeeze? Most people think yes, but again, like the, the the actual logistics of it are tough. I do expect him to try it. And let's say they do get into a situation where the bullpen is just cooked and he can't do it. Maybe that's when they give up on it. But I, I, I think they'll give it a try. I think. I okay. don't think... This is the part of it I think that's getting totally overlooked is that we from a you know armchair GM perspective and even like a you know you can see why the long term upside makes you make take a short term risk. I understand that. I I, yeah. I totally get that. I get it. But like to the players and the coaches in that clubhouse and locker room and dugout that are um trying to do everything they can to win right now on a team that is built and supposed to win right yep. now. Yep. That's like a tougher thing to sell. Like what if they have to ship out a reliever who's pitching well, but he has options 
and the bullpen is taxed, well, he has to go out because they're carrying, you're trying to carry this project. That, that doesn't, that might not sit well. It might not sit well with that player, but also might not sit well with his teammates. And, and that, that's, that's like part of this dynamic that I think they have to consider. And I do think they are considering that part of it. Yeah. Cause you know, it, it probably wouldn't be, you know, Covey, like we're mentioning here, he seems to just be the guy who is that safety net right now who can pitch two or three innings, even if they're a little bit sloppy. Well, I think he would go if they bring Song. Okay. All right. So either him or maybe somebody along, like a junior Marte might go, you know, Vasquez's gotten big outs for them, you know? Right. But he hasn't been perfect, but he's gotten big outs for him, but he's got options. Right. Right. And Marte have options. That's the thing. That's exactly right. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's not always, it's not always fair that way when it comes to optionable players, even when we're, you know, not talking about somebody who's gotten as much attention as Noah Song. Just because that roster flexibility that you're you're providing the organization by being optionable for one of those three years that you could you could have that happen to you without limit. Well, there's the five limit now. You just you get sent out even if you don't deserve it sometimes just because you the, the team needs a fresh arm or in this particular case, yes, they're working on a project. And and I'm glad you brought up the contention window thing, because. You know, the juice being worth the squeeze is one of my favorite metaphors and or idioms, I guess. And it re- they really must believe in this guy because, yes, it's more than just moving somebody out to put this unproven commodity on the roster who is, you know, the 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 this long term part of this long term vision when you're trying to get back to the playoffs in the World Series this year and you have to carry him for two months to do that or at least try for a couple of weeks bare minimum it's it's interesting and i'm just i'm glad you shed some light on it because is there any is there any thought about how the clubhouse might receive that i'm sure they wouldn't have talked about it directly but like do you have a a, a read on it do you do you think the clubhouse would be okay with this well like, i mean if they think it? if they're be if they're told that we think this guy can be a long reliever for us you know he's only going to pitch you know, uh-huh. he's going to pitch the Covey role, which has been, you know, very much in lopsided games only or, or, um, you know, Covey's gotten to some games where it's like maybe four or five runs. It's not totally lopsided, but it's like, okay, we need just, we need him to pick up an inning here uh-huh. just to save somebody else. Like, if we think that this guy can do that, then I'm, I'm sure everyone's like, okay, great, great. But like, if he can't do it and he, they keep carrying him, then, then, then that's when it becomes an yeah. issue. Right. And so, um, you know, a couple guys got to know him in the spring when he was in, in you know, when, when when Song came to spring training. And I think, you know, a lot of guys were trying to, to welcome him. I, you know, Song felt, you know, a little out of place, right? You know, I mean, he just sure. had been, you know, in, in, been in, the, military. in the Navy four, yeah. four years, but then had never pitched above A-ball. And all of a sudden he's dropped into a big league clubhouse, you know, with, with a lot of superstars in there. And, and naturally, I think he felt uh, like, I, I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. And like, that's, you know, that's something you got to get over. And um I don't know how they what they think of him long term. I think they think that, you know, he could be something. Um, and I think that they've been impressed with what he's, you know, what he's been able to gain just in a few months of getting back to pitching. Right. And he's only been pitching yeah. games for a month now. So there is upside. I get it. Um, I just, you know, they're going to try. I think they're going to give it a try. I do. And really, when you think about it, you just got to get to September with it. Right. Because you do you kind of add a pitcher then but again if you're carrying song back to what we were just discussing that probably closes the door on like a six-man rotation at times in august probably because you can't you know then then now you're carrying both song and a six starter and Uh now your bullpen is 
you know, functionally six guys and that's just not going to work. So carrying song will, will prevent them from doing different things. It will. That's just the reality of it. I think. And if you believe that the long-term reward is better than that short-term risk, then I I guess you got to go for it. Well, speaking of getting to September, the next week holds the first place in the AL East Baltimore Orioles at home for three games. And then things get a little bit lighter. There's a little bit of a break, a road trip to Pittsburgh and Miami, and then home series against the Royals and the Nationals and the you Twins. You got to make some hay here. Yeah, yeah, depending on what you think of the Twins. Um, yeah, look, this this is the time to really put some distance between you and the rest of the wild card field. Um, with whatever reinforcements may or may not be coming over the next week. Like, this is the time. You know, these three games against Baltimore are going to be tough because Baltimore is, as they are proving, a legitimately good team. They have a lot of really, really exciting young hitters and just enough pitching on the starting side and, and some some real fire in the bullpen uh, to really make this interesting. You know, th- this is a team that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. They've really surged over the last couple of months. And the young guys that they're bringing up are, by and large, swimming. They are not sinking. Um, It's sort of a strange situation, though, because, <laughs> like I was just talking about, I want to see more teams try and win and and really, you know, put the pedal to the metal for the 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 competition side of things and not default to selling. The Orioles haven't sold really in the last couple of years. I mean, unless, you know, you count Trey Mancini. Um, but they certainly haven't bought all that heavily either. And you kind of get the feeling that they might not buy all that much again this trade deadline, even though they are primed for some sort of splash. I don't know. The the Orioles strike me as kind of weird. Do you get that vibe from do you get that vibe from them? The weird vibe from a first place team? Yeah, I think they have bad ownership and a bad front office. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, that would contribute to a weird vibe. I, I mean, they've I, been they're very good at developing players and clearly, you know, very good at developing hitters. And this will be a homecoming of sorts because a, a coach that I think the Phillies should have never let go, and he's actually done quite well for himself at the Orioles organization, Cody Ashey, who is on their big league staff. Um, and he's he's had a big role in a lot of these hitters development and now their success in the majors. Um, always thought Cody was going to have a great future in coaching in this sport. And, 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 and it's it's really cool to see him uh, doing that now with the Orioles. Um, he was coaching with the Phillies for like one year in, in a ball yeah. um, and then ended up taking a job with the Orioles. And he's done really well for himself. But anyway, uh I, I don't know. Like I look at this as like the Orioles can win the World Series this year if they go get a few more pitchers. And and maybe maybe I'm I'm stepping on my toes here because we just talked earlier about how I don't know that there's going to be impact talent or or a ton of talent moved at the trade deadline. Uh-huh. But if I'm the Orioles, like I am really trying to go get a a good starting pitcher. Like I'm trying to shell yeah. out for Dylan Cease because yeah. I have the prospects to do it, and he's under control. I mean, <laughs> you like. Right now, they're innings leaders, right? Like Kyle Gibson has thrown Kyle Gibson. innings for the Orioles. It's going to be a big homecoming. Gibson starting Tuesday night. For the oh, a huge homecoming. Um, you know, but but <laughs> three of their top five innings guys yeah. have ERA pluses below 100. Mm. You know, well below. Like Kyle Gibson is an 88 ERA plus. Dean Kramer, who's pitching tonight for the Orioles, has an 87 ERA plus. Grayson Rodriguez, a big prospect who's pitched, just pitched really well. He's got a... 
61 ERA plus, and he's probably got an innings count at some point. All these guys are going to go sword past their innings. They've they've leaned, they've like crushed their bullpen, and their the bullpen is phenomenal. Yeah, right. But they've crushed some of these guys, and like they're going to get to you know they're going to get career highs in innings. All these guys, they got to go get some pitchers, and like you have a glut of hitting prospects, and you've 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 proven that you're good at developing them. Trade some of these guys. I'm sorry, like trade some of these guys and go for it. Like, is it because your ownership isn't willing to take on money? Is it because Michael Elias is trying to prove that he can do this, you know, that the rebuild worked and all these, you know, miserable years of losing, you know, led to something and I don't need free agency. I don't need trades to go get guys. We can do it with the guys that we picked and developed. I don't know. Like, I, I, I would like to see them try. I really would. Yeah. Like, cause it's a great, you know, it'd be great. It's a great thing to see. Camden Yards packed. I love that ballpark. Oh, I love yeah. going there. Orioles fans went through some horrendous seasons. And I hate people saying this was worth it. It was worth it. No, it wasn't worth it. Like there was like six years there where they were just not even close to competitive, like not yeah. even close. And it was embarrassing. And yeah, like, did you get a lot of talent off it? I, I guess. I don't know. Was it because you tanked? I don't know. Adley Rutschman. I can't wait to see him in person. I've never seen him play in person. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it this week. He is outstanding. Um, I'm excited to see a lot of their young players, Gunnar Henderson. Um, yeah, I think they should go get some pitchers. I think they should go get two established starting pitchers and try to win the World Series. The one guy who, apart from the bigger names, you know, Rutschman, clearly a star, team captain type kind of guy, Gunnar Henderson really coming into his own, you know, those guys coming together. Um, I'm kind of excited. I hope we don't see him at all, but I'm kind of excited to see Felix Bautista, who has... Big man exploded onto the scene because he is enormous. First of all, he's like six foot eight, 300 pounds or something, and he's striking out half the guys he faces. He's got 96 strikeouts and 189 batters. That's absurd. He is just, he is look, but go, yeah. I mean, like, you have legit stars in this team, and it might not be stars because we don't have it, people haven't heard of them, but like, go get, go. Be active. And like I saw something that said like they're going to be opportunistic buyers, which is like, you know, buzzword for like, we're not going to trade our prospects. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what that means. And like, well, it was funny because like in entering the offseason, Elias is like, yeah, we're going to be at, we're going out there. We're going to go sign guys. And they didn't sign anybody. They signed Kyle Gibson. <laughs> Who? is their team innings leader he's doing his job like he's, he's a doing fine fifth starter he's a yeah this starter maybe sometimes switches like a four you know he's got a four seven six era and 121 innings he's made every start he's you know he's doing his job that sounds about right he will he will not be on the phillies wall of fame um <laughs> unfortunately great transition yeah yeah how about that one huh I, I love making these segues work they just they're so good um Hall of Famer Scott Rowland inducted over the weekend alongside Fred McGriff. Uh, Scott Rowland still inspires passionate opinions all these years later. He's going to get booed, uh, isn't he, in September, right? At Citizens Bank Park. You know, he probably is. And I don't think he deserves it anymore if he ever deserved it in the first place. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, and it's it's been 21 years since he was traded to St. Louis for Bud Smith. And and Placido Polanco and others. Is Mike Timlin involved in that? I can't remember. Anyway, that's not the but. Yes, he was Placido Polanco, Bud Smith, Mike Timlin, Scott Rowland. I thought Bud Smith was going to be good. He threw a no hitter. Yeah, he did for the for the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, look, 
Scott Rowland had beef with owner the the past ownership and management of, of the Phillies, and and you know rightfully so in some ways. He was louder about it than a lot of others would be, and he eventually got himself shipped out because of it for pennies on the dollar, and went on to win a World Series with the Cardinals, have a really nice end of his career, finishing up in in Cincinnati with a stop in Toronto in between. Um, you can go back and forth on whether you think Scott Rowland is a hall of famer you know whether you're a small hall big hall kind of guy that's not really the point fact of the matter is he's in first of all and you can't take that away from him but the second part is for us as phillies fans what is the point to still booing scott Rowland? i I i would hope that there is an attitude shift there won't be just because you know once you latch on to a guy and he gets booed here he gets booed here forever i hope there's an attitude shift by the time they come back around and and he gets a good reception because there's just no point to booing him anymore. There no, isn't. I think history history has been good to him, I think, because I would hope so. Uh, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, he was right. He was right about wanting to see more investment from ownership, not being certain. You know, I guess the one thing he was wrong about is he wasn't certain that the ballpark was going to change things. He also, at the time, wasn't sure when the ballpark was totally going to come. And, and that true. was fair enough. He was wrong about that. I mean, like, that was the one thing he was wrong about. The ballpark did change a lot of things for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. It did. Um, but what he was right about is that ownership needed to invest more in the product. And, yes, he turned down, you know, uh, a pretty good contract offer. And I know the thing that angers people is that, you know, he said he, you know, when he gets straight to St. Louis, he says he, you know, he's gone to baseball heaven. And you know what? Back then, and you know, even now, you could say. I mean, St. Louis's baseball history is, is a lot better compared to the Philadelphia. Right? Yeah. I mean, let's let's be realistic. Now, is it heaven? No, it's definitely not. St. Louis, I can assure you, is not heaven. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think history has been good to him, though. He was right. Yeah, he was right. He was asking the Phillies to do the things that they have done in these last two decades that have, you know, made people want to watch and buy t-shirts and buy tickets and and get excited i mean because they have invested in the product yep and let's not you know i know it's hard for people to remember i mean but back then the ownership was was a clown show and it was not accountable and it was not visible and it was uh it was an issue it was a huge issue it was a big market team acting like a small market one it was the kind of franchise that you know would catch so much more flack in you know had it been doing what it had it behaved like it did in 1999 to 2000 in 2023, if they were behaving that way. Right. I feel like our perception of ownership and and, and that kind of stuff has changed. Has it not since then? Absolutely. Absolutely has. No, they, they got away. They got away with it back then. Um, And it's in the ballpark and whatever. Yes. Things have totally changed. And that goes back to the point of like, why would we still boo Scott Rowland? There's just it, it, it. So much has changed. Like you said, he's been proven right on some of his more, you know, salient points. And this is a time where he should be celebrated. Okay, he he specifically name checked the Phillies as part of him during his speech. I was, you know, I wasn't sure if he was going to mention his time with the Phillies, uh, but he did. He said, you know, I am a Philadelphia Philly. I am a St. Louis Cardinal, and so on. He has moved on. It is time for us to do the same. And I hope there are more cheers than boos. When it's crazy. It's crazy. Back. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He spent more time in Philadelphia than any other. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. But I, I guess moving past the, the acrimony of this, we are setting ourselves up for uh, a couple years of debate on a national level, I think, 
with one particular <laughs> one particular Philadelphia Philly who's going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame next year, alongside a couple of others. Now, Bobby Abreu is going to be back on the ballot for his sixth year. He's still out on the periphery and needs a lot of help. We're probably looking at a Todd Helton election along with Adrian Beltre next year. I think those are Maybe your two Wagner. most likely. Wagner has a chance. He got 68% last year. He's he's hovering around there. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to get elected from the existing crop or the first time crop, but Chase Utley is eligible for the first time, along with other fellow stars of his era, like David Wright, who will not make it, Joe Mauer, who will be an interesting discussion. Um, look, How it's many already years does Chase stay on the ballot? That's the thing. And just one more name drop. Ryan Madsen is going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was just he at the ballpark played. last weekend. Yeah, love Ryan Madsen. Uh, Utley's going to be on it the full 10 years. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. Uh, I would like to see that full 10 years end in actually being elected with this continued kind of piling, you know, almost like that sort of Tim Raines effect where you talk about a guy and bring up some of the more, you know, the, the layer under the stat sheet stuff that Utley did and remind people of, you know, who he was to baseball in Philadelphia, but also what he did on the field was worthy of being included in this group. You know, you look at the numbers, his career numbers, and we're not going to get too deep into this right now, but I I just, I I wanted to think about it because it's coming up and I need, I need to brace myself for a long fight because (laughs) I think Chase Utley is a hall of famer, but I'm a big hall guy. And I can understand that there are people who want the Hall of Fame to be a little bit smaller and tighten up its standards a little bit. I think it's getting a little lax. Maybe somebody like Scott Rowland shouldn't have been in there. But anyway, I think what Utley did, what he was at his peak is Hall of Fame caliber. And his peak was long enough that he should merit that consideration. I think enough people agree with me that he will stay on the ballot with incrementally increasing vote totals for 10 years. I think this first year is going to be low. I would like to see him cross into double digits somewhere between 10 and 20% maybe. And then it'll just be a slow grind from there. It's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work, but I think this is a guy who offensively clearly put together some of the best offensive seasons by a second baseman that we've certainly ever seen in franchise history. But you know, merit consideration is some of the best that any second baseman has put up his run from Oh five through, you know, Oh nine if you're just being conservative, it was fantastic. But defensively too, he, was, he wasn't he was the best defender, but he had great range, he had an okay arm, and he had great instincts. Everybody knows the 08 World Series play. But this was a guy who could just make it happen on the field with things that you couldn't really, you couldn't really award a gold glove to. And he never won one of those, which I think is going to work to his detriment because people like to look at awards when this comes up. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And I think it's, going to take a while i would just like to see it start by him getting enough to stay in the conversation after the first year i don't i think he falls just short and i think roland's a hall of famer i think chase Mm -hmm. is just short but i also i i wouldn't i you know wouldn't be appalled if he gets into the hall of fame i'm I'm, but for full disclosure i actually stopped voting this year i just i don't know Mm -hmm. there's too much there's too many strings attached to the voting process and it's just the 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 Hall of Fame has not provided clear uh, instructions, and I, they just really, really want the writers to do the dirty work. And I, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't. I had too many broken logic, uh, just too much that I could not reconcile in my votes, and I just, uh, I just decided to not do it anymore. So, sorry. No, that's got to be hard to give up. 
I guess I could start voting it if I want. I don't know. I just, I just, yeah, you don't uh, lose it. I didn't right? submit like a blank ballot or anything. I just didn't submit a ballot. Yeah. 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 And so that doesn't affect the totals. Right. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying. And I know there's a lot of Phillies fans who would love to see him in the hall of fame. And um, I, I wouldn't say that it would be like egregious if he gets in. I just, I don't, I don't know that I would vote for him. I don't know that I would. I'd have to really, really, I'd, you'd have to spend hours convincing me. And I think you probably would. That's what it'll take. No, I, I'm, I'm under no disillusions that this is going to be any sort of a, a cakewalk or he's going to get this national upswelling of support overnight. He just and needed that like people two more years. He needed like two more years. Look, I, I totally get it. Yeah. And you saying you think he'll fall short after how many years on the ballot, by the way, how, how many years does he make? Does he make it the whole way? Does he stay on the whole way? I don't know. It's a really good question. Well, there's a dynamic to it about who comes onto the ballot after him too, right? Like th- there's part of that in play because we have a it max is like, of that's 10. The thing is it's, 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 it's a really, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's crowded. It's kind of it's a gonna dry, be crowded. you think it's going to be crowded? Like am I, am I, how, I guess I haven't paid enough attention to this. Well, all it's right. Gonna be so, crowded? so let's work through it here. Let's work through it. So we, we think Helton's going to get elected. We think Beltre as a first timer is going to get elected. And there's yes. a shot that Wagner gets in as yes. on his ninth year. All right. So there's three guys right there. The holdovers that we're left with, the ones who got more than 5% the previous year, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Omar Vizquel is still hanging around, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Some of those Mark guys Burley. Off. Yeah. yeah. K-Rod, Torrey Hunter. Torrey, the, Torrey Hunter might fall off in the next those couple guys, of years. Oh, a couple of those guys are going to fall off. David Wright's not going to get enough support to make it, but he could hang on the ballot. Matt Holliday is going to be an interesting guy to talk about. Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, those um, guys are going to fall off. And then, say, well, yeah, but they might make it for a couple of years and then get crowded and potentially take that 10th vote from other guys. If there's a big hall guy voting, they might stuff their ballot. They might have 10 guys that they're checking for a couple of years. Um, I don't know. There's that to take into consideration that might affect Utley and squeeze him off. I could see that happening. But again, it, there are merit considerations for Ole. I totally get that. I am. Ichiro being, comes on in 2025. Ichi, and, Ichiro, yes. Uh, I'm a little less than objective when it comes to Ole. I, I will freely admit that, but I do think there's a strong case. Hmm. CC comes on in 2025. He's not a Hall of Famer, is he? It's a bad you don't thing. think so? I don't know. Is he? He might be. Actually, for so. starting pitchers, I think we should start lowering the bar. Because the traditional ways of measuring starting pitchers are gone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, well, we're I never going to get to counting kind of stats that no way, you know, starting pitchers in the in the sixties and seventies and eighties and even nineties accumulated. So no, that doesn't happen. I mean, and and CC for his part by those old standards, and he hit three thousand strikeouts. You know, yeah. he's got two hundred and fifty yeah. wins. You know, yeah. for those people. But who even like that. you know the twenty twenty six for example, like the first timers, the best first timer is like. Ryan Braun and Cole Hamels, and they're not Hall of Famers. Like, that's not what I'm saying is that I think you watch your mouth. <laughs> if <laughs> actually, Cole might not get on there, maybe he's going to come back. Stop he's it with that. Yes, yeah, but it it, even the year after that, I mean, like 2027, you know, the best player on that new player on the ballot is like Buster Posey and John Lester. Well, they're going to like Posey. Posey probably gets in. Yeah. Lester, no. No. All right. So maybe it's not going to be. Quite I mean, I'm saying he's got to get through. He's got to just get through. The, the, he's just got to stay on for the first two or three years. And he and then he has a path to stay on for a while. I, I think he does it. I Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. 
look, either way, it's going to be talked about and there's going to be there's going to be barbs. There's going to be words traded back and forth about Chase Utley. I am not looking forward to that um, in a way. I'm glad I'm leaving a lot of social media because I just don't want to expose myself to the people who who hate on Chase Utley. I just I don't need that in my day. And I'm but not I hating think... on him. I'm not hating on him. I no, I know you're not. I think he falls just short. I do. No, and, you're and being it's reasonable. positionally too, right? I mean, Roland gets in because there's very few. I mean, you look at the third baseman. There's very few third basemen, and, yeah. and the way he compared to third base, like I, I, th- I thought it was Roland is a guy that when I was voting, I was voting for him. Yeah, yeah, he he makes he makes more sense than Utley. He does for sure. Oh, uh, I hope he gets in. I really do because I, at the very least, okay, I'll I'll reel myself in a little bit. I'll be a little more grounded and realistic. At the very least. Since I don't think Rollins is going to get in, Howard is obviously already fallen off. Hamels, when he's eligible, isn't going to make it. Utley stands the best chance, I think, credential-wise and potentially voting-wise, of being the guy from the golden age who gets that national recognition of being in the Hall of Fame. Short of that, what do you have from those yeah, teams? I don't know. Well, here, I'll tell you what you should have. And I don't think the national recognition matters as much as this. It doesn't. The Phillies should retire 6, 11, and 26. Yes, they should. That's that's what I was getting to. That's what I was building to. They need to change that, that unwritten, it, maybe it's written somewhere, that organizational rule that you and can't I don't care. I don't care if you And I don't care if you think you're watering it down by retiring six. I don't care. Retire yeah, all no. three of those guys. Just do it. Yes. No, you need to because they were they were critical, instrumental, essential, all those words to baseball and sports in this town in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. They were it. They were the faces of that team, those teams, a championship team. Retire those numbers. Do it. It's a good place to end. Yes, it is. I like getting fired up about stuff. Anyway, the 2023 Phillies. Those numbers still haven't been given out, by the way. Right, because they're they're dragging their feet. They're going to wait until they fall all fall off together or something. It's going to be years. But do it, do it, do the thing. <laughs> anyway, 23 Phillies, 53 and 46. Not the best week, but at least they escaped on Sunday with a win. Uh, get to face Baltimore. You know, maybe the way these. Pendulum weeks are working out. They'll take two or three from Baltimore. Who knows? I think there's going to be some big crowds. I think there are a bunch of O's fans. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're traveling well with the team playing well. Um, Get to the park if you can, if there are tickets available. That should be a fun series. A lot of young, exciting players. Yes. A lot of young, exciting players to check out. And then they hit the road. This is the time. This is the stretch where they need, as Rob Thompson said, those five guys in the lineup to start hitting more than half your lineup. Those five Uh, guys. Those five guys. Um, Phillies need to make a move and this is the time they can do it. Schedule starts to lighten up. This is the time to strike. Probably won't talk again until after the deadline, right? Oh boy. Maybe we'll wait because the deadline is Tuesday the 1st. I'm flying from Pittsburgh to Miami on Monday morning the 31st. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk, uh, maybe we'll talk the day after the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Might have a a 6 p.m. August 1st. Which is so weird. Um, 6 p.m. August 1st. We might do I might do a small little bonus well, thing for everybody. Today. And and yeah. yeah, Matt, we'll get you back on to, to get the lay of the land, see how the everything looks after. Maybe the there's dust a trade settles. before the first to talk about. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe I look, it certainly wouldn't hurt if they made a move sooner. 
Uh, but right now, the Phillies are a half game out of the playoffs, but still looking in pretty good position. They're doing okay, all things considered. And now's the time. Now's the time to make that move, both figuratively and literally. Thank you all for listening once again. For Matt. Oh, Matt, any plugs before we before we say goodbye? No. Okay. For Matt, <laughs> the athletic. I'm Paul Pouillet. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>